ladies and gentlemen, sit back and get comfortable. But not too comfortable. It's the WCHL Podcast with WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry and Curtis Johnson. Yes, indeedy duty. This is the WCHL podcast. I am the commissioner, Christopher Perry. And on the other end of the line, it's two, what, national champion from the University of Central Oklahoma Broncos. Currently, they're play by play and uh, color broadcaster, They depending on what role he's playing. It's Curtis Johnson. Curtis, say hello to the people. How's it going, Chris? Looking forward to this one. Third time on the pod. It, it's becoming a regular occurrence. I, I, I know. <laughs> you, you've, you've got your own little intro. Yeah, and we, we love having you. It's good to have a real hockey guy on the podcast. Well, I love coming on, so I appreciate the invite, and I'm looking forward to talking some hockey. Good. Hey, let's do it. We had a lot of hockey uh, this past week to talk about. We'll jump right to it. But um, hey, first off, the ranking just came out. Uh, we're taping this on Wednesday, January the 18th. Ranking came out uh, about nine hours ago. There was a little bit of movement. We have five WCHL teams in uh, the latest ACHA Men's Division One ranking. Nevada, Las Vegas is number four. They moved up a spot. Central Oklahoma moved up two spots to number six. And then after that, we have Arizona at number 16. They dropped back one spot. Arizona State stayed at 18, and Utah moved up a spot to number 20. When the full computer uh, ranking came out, Missouri State was 27, Colorado State 28, Grand Canyon 30, Colorado 34, Oklahoma 38. So uh, not too shabby out of 70. Uh, Nine out of the 10 teams are in the top half of the ACHA. And uh, the number one team is still Minot, Adrian number two. Ohio was the big mover. They moved from uh, seven to three. Then UNLV and Liberty. Liberty rounds out the top five. What do you think, Curtis? of uh, the latest rankings that jumped out? Uh, honestly, uh, I was kind of surprised to see UCO slide up a couple of spots, if I'm being a little bit honest. I didn't think that um, – I don't think that that loss to Minot over the weekend helped the Broncos, but obviously strength of schedule comes into it. And then I think Jamestown sliding down a couple, I was surprised by that. They moved down four, and – they had a good weekend. They they actually routed the teams they played this weekend, and they're playing tonight. Um, but I was surprised to see them slide down, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's all um, it's it's everything is relative, but um, right. It's uh, I mean, in fact, I the person that runs the ACHA Men's Division One Twitter account can sometimes be a, a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> and there was someone last week who said. How can a team move up or down if they didn't even play a game? And right. that Twitter person had to send the rules uh, to, to that to that particular hockey dad. I think it was. There you go. So uh, yeah, it, everything. The, the, if anything, the the rankings prove um, that all these games are interrelated. And yeah, right. central. It's just kind of how how you described it. Central Oklahoma got the benefit, even though they lost. Four to one or five to one, whatever it was, to Minot. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, four to one. Um, they played number one, and so you get a benefit right. from playing them. And they didn't get blown out, right? It was just a three exactly. goal loss. Yeah. And then they won their two other games, and they won them right. in you know fairly convincing fashion. 
Very really? convincing. Yeah, three and four goal games. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and all in all, and couple that with Ohio making a big move, with Jamestown, you know, not right. making a big move, and yeah. uh, you know, Indiana Tech making a making a little uh, bump up. There's, uh, I, I think, the room for error uh, or the, the the room to movement to jump a few spots is very very tight. And so yeah, it's one hundred percent. Yeah, this yeah. ranking shows it, right? Because Northern, like Jamestown, essentially gets punished, even though they beat Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is not as good, so it doesn't look as good for Jamestown. So they move down a couple spots. That's Again, right. You know, they they win and they they win convincingly, twelve nothing, fifteen two. But Northern Illinois is not as good as a school, so it doesn't look as good to the computer. Northern Illinois, you know, it can be yeah, yeah, it can be somewhat frustrating a little bit. Northern Illinois is ranked uh, what sixty third, I think, in this most exactly. recent ranking. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah, and then um, when you average these rankings, you know, they take the this ranking is the average of two separate rankings. One of which just looks, hey, did you win or did you right. lose? And the other one looks at how much did you win mm-hmm. or lose by. And it averages right. those two together, and so there's a little cluster. Um, uh, when you know the the UNLV, Liberty, Central Oklahoma, you, Nevada, Las Vegas is four. Their average is four. Nevada, Las Vegas, I mean uh, Liberty's average is five. Central Oklahoma's is six right. and a half, and then you have Indiana, Jamestown that are tied right behind them at seven with an average. So that little cluster of three teams: Central, Indiana Tech, and Jamestown. You know, Central number one beat them in the average, but had they been tied, they would have uh, they would have beat them. Uh, they would have had the tiebreaker. So those guys can flip flop on a whim. Then you look at the next three teams: nine, ten, and eleven: Pittsburgh, Grand Valley State, and Maryville, and then even include Lawrence Tech in uh, Illinois State, twelve and thirteen. Pittsburgh, Grand Valley State have an average of eleven. Maryville, eleven and a half. Lawrence Tech, twelve. Illinois State, twelve and a half. A any slight increase or decrease can move mm-hmm. a team from thirteen all the way up to nine, right? Um, and so there's as as the season goes on, these little clusters within the ranking actually form, and you can jump quite a bit. Uh, Niagara and Calvin right. are tied at fourteen. The Niagara's fourteen, Calvin's fifteen, but their average is thirteen and a half. There's a big. Uh-huh. They can flip. Arizona and Stony Brook are tied at 16. They can flip. And then you look at Utah, Purdue Northwest, Oswego State, Rhode Island. They are 20, 21, 22, 23. But yeah, their computer so average is all 22. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's half a point. You win one and you're all of a sudden you're down to 25 instead of being at 19 where you were the week before. Yeah, that's right. And so the, the potential um, to move up and down is, um, because of these clusters is great. And, and that's why we have right. these huge, I shouldn't say huge. We, we have the nice big swings. I mean, that's why Ohio moves up three spots. That's why right. Jamestown drops four. So, exactly. and, yep. and this is the time of the year because of the rankings, um, because school's out or school was out for a couple of weeks. It's the time right. of the year when teams can get on the road and play some non-conference games, some non-traditional games, and make right. a move in the in the rankings. And I think that's uh, kind of what happened, at least with with regard to UCO and Illinois State and Oklahoma and uh, some of the other teams. You know, Minot won all their games, so they're just going to stay at number one. Uh huh. So exactly. kind of kind of interesting. All right. Anything else stand out to you? Um, not anything major. Obviously, I I was looking at the, the the Twitter puts out sort of the uh, 
like clusters the conference uh-huh. and it's always good when we look at it we always see WCHL right near the top of course that the CC CHL only has the three teams kind of gets the benefit of the doubt they only have three teams in the league of course us with our sizable conference kind of gets the uh, I guess it's harder to be an average when you have more teams right or, you know right second and we're only like a point behind on average yeah. in the top conference in the league it just shows that you know the schedule and uh, the strength of the conference where it's at right now especially it, with the, yeah. the the teams that we've added and just like the the volume of teams that we have in the WCHL. It's uh yeah it's it's definitely the the most it's the toughest conference I think in the ACHA I think it's the best conference I'm I'm biased um it's <laughs> probably got the worst commissioner in the ACHA but that's again I'm biased but in yeah. terms of the um uh in terms of the 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 conference that has an auto bid available to it it's definitely the best uh, you know the, right. the Central States League is is was uh, the beneficiary, if you will, of Illinois finally getting its act together and winning a few games, mm-hmm. and so they moved. Um, they they moved up quite a bit in in their rankings. Here, let me. I I went to a different screen here, so let me get back to it. Illinois jumped all the way to to forty three from where? Oh, they jumped from fifty seven to forty nine. Yeah, so and, right. and and so that helps you know get that uh, pump helps their, the average. Yeah, yeah it helps their computer. Yeah, <laughs> they leapfrogged us. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what they get for winning a, a couple of games. They the thing that stood out to me with this ranking is it's the first ranking that had a representative from all nine conferences um, in the top twenty five. And, I noticed that. Yeah, so Navy I think Navy sneaking in there. Navy sneaking in there. Yeah, from that terrible Philadelphia conference. There you go. So yeah, it's kind of wild. Hey, if nationals were to happen today, um, we would. You know, the the that jerk that runs the men's Twitter. He yeah, he, did, he didn't right. put it out there today. Um, because I I was kind of in a cranky mood. I was a cranky Yankee. Um, but two teams are going to get bumped if it happened, and they're both from the Western Collegiate Hockey League. What the hell? Um, eighteen. So it would be Arizona State in Utah. Utah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, and it, and they would get bumped because of auto bids. Auto bids. Navy at twenty five, and uh, Oswego State at twenty two. Oswego State. Yeah. Those two would bump out. Now, 19 stays in. 19 is IUP, Indiana, Pennsylvania, out of that uh, Pittsburgh league. Sure. So it would stay, but uh, 18 and 20 get bumped, which is ASU and Utah. So let's hope that next week it it changes. Because that would really stink if the two teams that get bumped are from the, uh, yeah. from the WCHL. So let's talk. This is where you, I'll lean on you, Commissioner Perry. Ha, has there ever been discussions about removing the auto bid to prevent a team, in theory, quote unquote, that's not as strong? Computer says they're not as strong making the tournament. So Navy gets the benefit of the doubt, right? They move up essentially five spots uh-huh. for the auto bid. Has there ever been discussions in ACHA world about removing the auto bids? Lots of discussion. That's a great question. There have been lots of discussions, and because there are a lot of people that, uh, right? It's it's a very polarizing <laughs> issue, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. There there are people that sit there and go, "Wait a second, why are we going to have?" A Navy. Why are we getting bumped? We've played all season long just to get bumped yeah. for mm-hmm. a team that hasn't stepped up to the plate. Yeah. 
Sure. And then the flip side of that is, hey, we've played a full season just just like you guys did, and mm-hmm. we shouldn't be penalized just because we play in a terrible conference. We won our conference. It's the only sure. carrot we have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there have been discussions uh, about that. They've usually failed um, <laughs> because the 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 – the, the thought process is, in reality, it's while it's a 20-team conference, the reality is it's really a 16-team tournament with four play-ins. Sure. Yep. And so, you know, no one from 16 on has won the, con- won the tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the lowest-ranked seed to ever win was number 11. That was Oakland back in, I think it was 2006. Okay. Right. And um, they were just coming off back-to-back uh, men's Division two championships as well. So that was their first year at men's one, and they won it all. So it was three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there, there has been discussions. It hasn't been a very popular, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it hasn't been a very popular discussion at Naples, at our annual meeting down in Naples, because it really sure. gets into the haves versus the have-nots. Mm-hmm. And we really get a lot of um, pushback from the from the teams that and from the conferences. And, and let's just call it what it is. There's a there's a conference out of Philadelphia, the ECHA, a conference out of Pittsburgh, the CHMA, and a conference out of New York, the NECHL. Mm-hmm. That they're just not very good. And I mean, they play hard. They're still kids are still going to school and getting degrees and playing college right. hockey at the same time. It's just they don't step out of their you know comfort zones they, yeah they don't recruit out of their region correct basically. and and they don't yeah. get on the road to go play teams outside right. of their region other than themselves and if you you know if mediocre team plays a mediocre team you're not going to get a good result right um yeah, exactly. so um you know it it's there have been you know that that whole have versus have not um, sure. dichotomy has been uh, mm-hmm. it's it's begat a lot of conversations. There was some talk about you know splitting up men's division one into uh, okay. you know a thirty team super conference, if you will, um, right. and just letting the other folks go if they don't want to move up and improve themselves, then sure. we, we can just leave them behind. And that didn't get a lot of benefit. There or a lot of uh, traction. There was, uh, I know, a certain dumb commissioner who proposed that if you are continually sucky and in the bottom 10 of the computer rankings for five consecutive years, you can be uh, re- relegated, bump, if you will. Bumped bumped. Of, yeah, so kind of like the pyramid, like in uh, yes. European soccer. Exactly. Relegated to men's too. Yeah, well, oh. get, guess who shows up at, at uh, the Florida meetings to oppose that? Yeah, everybody at the bottom of the pyramid. <laughs> and they were like, well, who the hell is this fat, dumb commissioner that, that brought this on? Who Who is – there was one lady. In fact, I, I won't say her name, but she uh, uh, she represented the team from uh, New York City. She read, she read the proposal, and she's like, who the hell is the Western Collegiate Hockey League, and who do they think they are? And that was when yours truly got to stand up and introduce myself. And, uh, <laughs> so how would that process work, though, Chris? Like, take us into that. Is there, like, a vote? Is there every conference gets a vote? 
do you get more votes because you have more teams? No, no, no. I mean, it's it's we have that, there know, are people pr- want to know. Sure, sure. Well, okay. Let's well, we're getting into the weeds here, but let's do it. Sure. Um, at the ACHA annual meeting that's held at the end of April, beginning of May every year, mm-hmm. uh, down in uh, it's usually in Naples, Florida, uh, and sure. it's held in conjunction with the NCAA coaches annual meeting. Um, we have two meetings that we, uh, that the ACHA puts on. One is the, it's, it's held on a Saturday. Um, in the, the Saturday morning portion of it is the general meeting where all the coaches that want to attend, you have to personally attend if you want to vote. Um, you, all the coaches from all five divisions get together and they listen to the ACHA high muckety mucks the president, the executive director, the treasurer, all that kind of stuff. And there are sometimes there are proposals that have to get voted on on a um, organization-wide basis. And so that happens on a Saturday morning. Saturday afternoon, the five divisions break out into their own meetings. And And they have their own thing. So if there are particular rules... Or particular adjustments that if, if something is proposed and it affects the entire organization, it gets handled right. Saturday morning. If something is proposed okay. and it affects only one division, that one division will handle it Sunday, uh, Saturday afternoon. Okay. And if you show up, you get to vote. If you don't show up, you don't get to vote. There's no okay. proxies. There's no... Sure. Um, now, during COVID, we made an exception only for the breakout meetings because nobody could get together. Um, but mm-hmm. usually with 70 teams, I would say we have about 30 voting members. Well, oh, it's only well, it's one vote per team. Okay. So if a coach shows up um, for a team, they can vote. If a general manager shows up but the coach doesn't, that GM can vote. Conferences do okay. not get votes. It's teams only. And so, uh, and yeah, so and it's the, almost like the owner. It's almost like the owner meeting in the NHL. Kind of. The yeah, owner yeah. Gets the say. Kind there, of. there yeah, you go. Right. And that's why that's that's why I say when I proposed it for on behalf, you, a, a conference can make a proposal. He just can't vote on sure. it. And right. so I made a proposal. I made, I've made a couple of proposals that have probably been really. <laughs> I'm, I'm, who knows? I was kind of a the, the squeaky wheel there for you know about ten years ago, um, okay. but uh, um, and I've since wisened up. But um, <laughs> yeah, that that one year I I the everybody showed up, and that's when. Um, you know, Uncle Vito comes out and he's the assistant psychology slash massage trainer for Rutgers University. And, you know, oh, by the way, here's my wife who happens to be the, um, you know, uh, psychic advisor for, um, you know, East Handkerchief State University. And so all the minnows, all the the teams oh, at the okay. bottom, everybody showed up, everybody yeah, and yeah. everybody showed up, and everybody claimed you know a role with all these other teams, and uh, that so that relegation idea got voted down, and so we're we're just kind of stuck with it, and we're like, okay, hey, you know, if this is the way it's going to be, so be it. We'll just go forth and kick ass and uh, not worry about it. So I would, I would, I could ask a million more questions, but that's cool. I yeah. Well, Hey, well, let, let's do this. Let's get through the week that was, and then we can, sure. if you want, let's, we can get into a million more questions. Cool. I'll tell you this proposals. Proposals are kind of fun. Again, it's, it's a lot of it's politics. Proposals have sure. to be supported either by a conference, an ACHA okay. men's division one conference or five separate team members. 
And um, right now there's a team out of Long Island that might, who's, who's, it might rhyme with Rony Rook. Um, I can't name the team itself, but um, they propose an awful lot of stuff that's very punitive in nature. And basically they want to legislate so that that team wins the championship before anybody even sets foot on the ice to start the season. Um, right. and, and it's so, you know, there, you, you get a lot of, you get a lot of good constructive stuff. Um, I'll, sure. I'll tell you, I, I think the, the folks up at Maryville and, okay. um, uh, I think the, the folks at, uh, Arizona and, um, I think the folks at, uh, at Adrian, I think they do a very good job of, um, in, in, in Missouri State, too, um, I think they do a very good job of thinking things through and proposing stuff that makes common sense for the entire organization because it's so easy to lose sight and to propose things that are only going to benefit your team. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, and they have uh, sort of the, like the good of the game and the good of the division or the good of the, exactly. sort of the integrity of the game in mind, which it, is cool. Yeah, it may not benefit them, but they understand it's going to benefit the, con- the, the, the division as a whole. And so, you yeah. know, the rising tide floats all boats, right? Exactly. Whereas there are some others on Long Island that may just want to benefit themselves. So, Makes sense. yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, we had some games. We had some games uh, in addition to uh, the rankings. And let's start with the out-of-conference games. Utah went to San Diego State and beat up on the poor Aztecs uh, by a score of 12-1 to and 9-2. to um, I'll tell you that the Friday night game, the 12-1 to game, was the return of Shea Landekusik to the Utah team, and he uh, did not disappoint with a hat trick. And then uh, Dylan Dix, his line mate, uh, well, he former, I guess he still is a line mate, um, he had a hat trick the following night, nine to two. So uh, I guess a point night out at San Diego if you want if you want to go. And that's, it hurts your ranking just playing them, but if you pound the snot out of them by more than seven, I guess you at least hold serve. Yeah, and you talked about Shea Landacusic, Shea sorry, yep. I'll get that out, tongue-tied. He had two shorthanded goals in the first game too. Not just any sort of hat trick. Two shorties as well to go with it. What, what's what what what's that like? I mean, tell me tell me about that because UCO, especially your teams, they were known for scoring shorthanded. I always joked around that people would be wise to decline those penalties. <laughs> I mean, scoring a shorthanded goal is it's such a backbreaker for the other team because in theory, right? It's a, you're you're supposed to score. You get the power play. You have more guys out there. So yep. it can really be a deflator for the other team, not just because you got the shorthanded goal, but it's like such a momentum killer for the other team, yeah. probably even more so than like a lift for your team. Um, because it just sort of asserts like, you know, in this case, we're a superior team. Even with four players, we could beat your five. <laughs> so <laughs> it can kind of take the life away from a team that's just not as good when you get scored shorthanded. And then you get scored shorthanded twice. Yeah, It really just shows like, yeah, this team's just better than us. Yeah, it's got to take away your will to live, huh? Exactly. It just, yeah, it's so deflating, especially when it's, again, in this case, it's the same guy, and he didn't, it's unassisted both times. Yeah. So he's done it, he's done it the hard way. He didn't even get, like, passed to, he didn't, you know, like, he made it himself four against five. And, and it's his first game back. He hasn't played all semester yeah. until now. Right. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, poor San Diego State, uh, you know, playing as an independent, they're 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 going to get better. They're just uh, they 
They're yeah. undermanned. They're in a great location, but they're undermanned, and they're playing with uh, a D2 roster when they need D1 boys. So they'll get better, though. They'll get yeah, better. Yeah, exactly. they're and yes. They're a newerish team, right? And they're just they're just not very good. They're ranked sixty eight, so Yeah. Yeah, it just kinda is what it is. Hopefully they'll get better. They'll start recruiting better players. But again, when you're just getting started and getting your feet under you, it could be tough. It's a tough league. So. I gotta I gotta believe that it's tough to concentrate on hockey if you're out there in San Diego on the beach. <laughs> That's I mean, true. I, I would yeah. be in a world of hurt. Oh, it's probably a little distracting to all the, you know, the, the, the golf weather. Like I would be golfing so much if I was out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would just be staring at the beach. I'd be in the water. I'd be, oh yeah. my gosh, moon dog. It could probably be tough getting to go to the rink, the cold <laughs> rink when it's nice as it is in San Diego. No kidding. No kidding. Hey, the other non-conference series um, was um, Missouri State traveled up I-44 to go to St. Louis to take on the Maryville Saints. Maryville welcomed Missouri State to the spring semester with a couple of knocks on the forehead by beating them, uh, beating the Ice Bears 5-1 to one and 7-2. to two. Not the way Missouri State wanted to start the season, the spring part of the season. No, it wasn't. And Maryville sort of, I, w- I don't want to say dominated. The shocks were pretty even, but game one, it was a pretty good thumping 5-1, and they outshot them 36-22, so... It wasn't just, you know, your average, oh, you know, close game. They, yeah, they, they took it on the chin. It was a tough, tough way to start the semester. Yeah. And Maryville's a good team. They're ranked 11 for a reason. They're, they're a pretty good, solid team. Their record is 14 and seven this year. So, you know, tough place to go in your first, you know, you'd like maybe an easy, get your legs back under you. <laughs> the You've just had your Christmas break. You're maybe, you know, maybe a little bit out of shape. You didn't train over winter break because it's winter break so you're taking time off to get maybe away from the rink a little bit and then to play a pretty solid opponent is that's tough so yeah yeah the thing the thing that stood out to me was other than the score it looked like missouri state hung with them for the first period and then Uh as the game wore on they wore down and that's when maryville maryville scores what three goals in the uh, second period on Friday night to take a commanding three to one lead? They scored four goals on on Saturday night to take a commanding four to a five to two lead, and right. yeah, it just seems like uh, you know Missouri State starts off a house of fire and then you know it just sure. can't maintain that same energy for the full sixty. And teams can have that too. Like you can look at, you know, throughout the leagues. It doesn't necessarily matter. Some teams are really good, you know, quick starters. Like you just said, Missouri State, they come out flying. They're a quick, good first period team. And then they fall away in the second. And then maybe they get it back in the third. Or teams are, you know, notoriously slow starters and they sort of build and they have better seconds. And then they can come out and win the game in the third period. It really just depends on the team. There's not many. There's not many teams out there that just play, you know, full 60, as they say, that full, you know, we played the full 60. We are, you know, kind of get that hockeyism again. Yeah. Oh, we were really great for the full 60 minutes. Not every team is like that. You're going to have sort of ebbs and flows, and some teams are just better in different periods than others. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, speaking of better uh, better periods than others, uh, UNLV went down to Tucson to take on Arizona, and UNLV was better than Arizona in most of the periods. Uh, it looks like four of the six periods that they played down there, beating UNLV, the Rebels, beat the Ice Cats or the Wildcats. They are now uh, by a score of five to nothing on Friday night and four to two on Sat on Saturday. And all oh, that Saturday was such a disappointment. 
Um, you know, five to nothing was just UNLV just came out and dominated the, the, uh, but it was a two to two game going into the third period on Saturday and it was just two really bad goals, really bad goals, um, that, that won the game for Vegas. The, the third goal, the game winning goal was shot from behind the red line, behind the goal line, off of the goaltender's pads into the net. So the goaltender wasn't necessarily hugging the post as much as he probably should have uh, mm-hmm. since he allowed that gap. And then the fourth goal, the one that really put the nail in the coffin, he was uh, trying to uh, – it was late in the game. He was – Arizona had already called timeout. They were going to pull the goalie for to try to get an empty net goal and tie it up. And um, the goaltender went to uh, the puck was dumped into the Arizona zone. The goaltender went to go play it, and he gave it up right to a UNLV guy, uh, right between and while the goaltender was between the circles. And so the UNLV guy still had some speed, and he just uh, whipped right around the goaltender and popped it right into basically an empty net. And it was just a backbreaker. So it was two kind of lapses in judgment by the. by the U of A goaltender that allowed that, especially that Saturday game, to just get away from U of A. But I would, I would take it if I want to give a little analysis that the coach is probably not even upset with that because I think the coach is probably more upset with the fact that their power play got blanked on the weekend. They had seven chances on the power play on the Friday night game, and then they had six on the Saturday, and they went O for the whole weekend. Whoa. So they had they had more shots on the Friday night game and more shots on the Saturday, but they didn't convert on any power plays. So they, wow. had, they had they outshot UNLV thirty three twenty six game one, and then they outshot them forty to eighteen on Saturday, and they came up empty. Oh, for thirteen over, on the, with the man advantage. Over thirteen wow. on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So well, hey, give credit to UNLV. I mean, they're a good team. They're they're a real good they team. Are a good team. Yeah, so I mean, don't want to seem like this is the you know all of U of A's fault. UNLV obviously played a, a major role in they did. making U of A you know look like they did. But uh, mm-hmm. wow, it was. But to come up empty on the weekend when like, the team is better than you, yeah, like, you have to be able to score in the power play when you get those chances. It get especially against a team that's in the top part of the conference. You bet, you bet. If they, they're going to put you on the man advantage. You just got to take advantage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to. Yeah, you got to take. You're absolutely right. You got to take advantage of of what they give you and uh, make it hurt, uh, just to right. give yourself a chance. And uh, yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah. They, I thought the the highlight for U of A was they they broke out a pair of uh, sweet sweaters. They wore. They usually oh, nice. wear grays or reds or whites at home, but they broke out some mm-hmm. electric blues, and uh, nice. they looked sweet. So I didn't uh, see him, but you uh, know, U of A has a, they always have pretty nice unis. Yeah. And they also play in a sick rink. Isn't that, that rink is awesome. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I, they'll argue and some people out there will argue that that, that arena is old and antiquated, but sure. I'm telling you what, come on for the ACHA. What a great I mean, rink that is. Yeah. I love it. It's the, re- it's, got it's, the full, the, it's got the full bowl and uh, we played them a couple of times. I think it was on. Usually a Friday night sometimes. Yeah. They'd actually fill it up pretty full. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they couldn't fill the whole rink. But, yeah, it was actually pretty good atmosphere, too. And the fans kind of get into it. <laughs> the fans really. Hey, Tucson is a hockey town. Tucson's a fun yeah. place to go to. 
And, uh, yeah, the, the Tucson Convention Center, the Tucson Arena, that place can get rocking. And they have some great traditions. We'll, we'll talk about those here in a, in a bit because they also had a loss here um, over, you know, to, to start the year. But, uh, yeah, that the TCC is awesome, and they're mm-hmm. so fortunate. And they're going to be moving, hopefully they're going to be moving in a couple of years to an even better facility. But for ACHA oh, wow. purposes, that place just kills. That's, that's a great rink. It is a great rink. Yeah. Hey, um, but let's get to the, uh, speaking of great rinks, let's get to uh, your rink because your rink, the Arctic Edge Ice Arena in Edmond, Oklahoma, hosted a uh, little nice ACHA Men's Division One showcase over the MLK uh, weekend. We called it the Battle at the Edge. Six teams came into town. UCO, Oklahoma, number one Minot, number 10 Illinois State, um, uh, Oregon, number 31 at the time, and Midland, number 33 at the time, came down to play three games in three days. And Curtis, you and your partner, James Jalbert, announced nine games over three days. <laughs> Holy smokes. How much tea, how much honey and tea did you have to drink uh, uh, on Saturday and Sunday? I didn't because we worked it out. James and I worked it out that we would call, essentially do play-by-play one game, then color the next. So we would give our voice a little bit of a break. Um, And shout out James. He brought peppermint for me. I love like peppermint, uh, like a cough. It wasn't a cough drop, but like a peppermint. uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Like a lozenge? Like sweet sweet can. Yeah, lozenge. There you go. Okay. And he he had the honey halls going. So we were breaking those out between games, but... Man, the edge was buzzing. It was fun. It was awesome. Nine yeah. games. It was, I mean, it was great. I loved it. Yeah. It was okay. a busy weekend, and I don't think my wife appreciated me being away for the whole weekend, but it was fun. <laughs> I loved it. Well, you you <laughs> young guys can, can, can uh, you guys could, could wait it out and could uh, handle it. Me being an old fart, I couldn't handle the... Uh, the the sunday i could do the friday saturday for the most part but boy the sunday thing just wiped me out i did see that you did skip out on sunday yeah some of us some of us go hard some of us you know some of us don't some of us are half committed guilty as charged to have committed (laughs) hey oklahoma played let's talk about oklahoma first then we'll finish up with uco oklahoma on friday played midland and they won that game six to four with a i believe that was with an empty netter um, and then they lost in a shootout on Saturday to Illinois State. They lost in a shootout two to one. Illinois State scored the only goal in the in the three person shootout. And then on Sunday, Oklahoma lost by a score of five to one to number one Minot. Um, out of those three games, there, Curtis, uh, what stood out to you mm-hmm. from the from the Sooners' point of view? I guess. Um, I have to be honest that with the way they played Minot State, uh, just. Again, based on where Oklahoma is, based on where Minot is, right? They're sort of two programs in two different places. But the way that OU played, and specifically, I want to give out shout out. I did on the broadcast a number of times. So I'm going to do it again here. Culberson Bond, the native of Shore Park, Alberta. Shout out, Alberta. Way to go. <laughs> uh, he was he was playing his mind off, and so was the o, uh, OUD. They were blocking shots. They were getting in lanes. They were. I mean, it was a 1-1 game going into the second, and I was like, wow, this is the – I mean, this has been the maybe the shock of the weekend, just how well OU played. They were committed. They were – and they even gave up a power play goal. So, I mean, it, if there if there's a maybe a goal that OU maybe nicks in the second, I could have seen OU honestly maybe pulling out that game against Minot. It was crazy. That was, that was crazy. I, I'm with you. I thought, I thought Oklahoma – 
um, did very respectable. They came into the yeah. uh, they came into the showcase ranked number forty two. Uh, mm-hmm. Number so basically the lowest ranked of all six teams. They beat sure. Midland, and they could mm-hmm. have easily just you know gave up the ghost on that game because uh, sure. Midland you know they got a, a healthy lead and then Midland came back to uh, to get close. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, Mid- Midland did make a close. <laughs> yeah. close. That was an introducing third. Yeah, three third. Yeah. Oh, he was cruising, and then Midland got three goals in like four minutes or something. So. Yeah. So you kind of panic stationed a little bit. They did get the empty netter to make it a six four game, but really it was a one goal game. They did let them back into that. Yep. Um and then to lose in a shootout after they played really good. I just thought oh you oh you had a really good weekend. I think they should be really proud with the way that they played. And then the third game in three nights to go against the number one team. And it was a game. I thought, I'll be honest, I thought going in, oh, you might get kind of blown out of the building, and they they hung around, and it was a really good game. I thought I thought Oklahoma was going to get blown out by both Illinois State and Minot. I think people have been sleeping yeah. on Illinois State all year long, sure. and they're a very very good team. There. And for Oklahoma to uh, take Illinois State to a shootout, and mm-hmm. for Oklahoma to hang with Minot and keep it a four goal. Yeah. I mean, there. I mean, well, I mean, let's call it what it is, right? UCO went to Minot and got blown out yeah. for two games up there. They did, and yeah, yeah Minot's uh, Minot is just relentless. They don't. Mm-hmm. So if, they don't I, care who it is. Yeah, they don't care if you're if you're thirtieth, if you're second. That Minot is a very Minot. I'll, I'll I'll say it. Minot is probably one of the five best teams that I've ever seen in the ACHA. We played. Uh, we played a team my freshman year, Arizona State. They were number one that year that we won. That was probably the best team that I ever played against because um, they were they were going to the NCAA the next year, so they had Division One like players. They were they were really really good. Yeah. Um, and then Lindenwood last year, kind of similar. They had like NCAA players on that team, so they're they'll probably they'll probably the best two teams that I've seen. But this Minot team is their their problem. So yeah. <laughs> big and they're in fast and they can skate and they come at you in uh, waves yeah and uh and for oklahoma to hang with them i thought i, yeah. I curtis i agree with you i i thought that was that was the stunner of the weekend i thought oklahoma and midland that was their one game that sure. uh, was kind of a yeah. toss-up and the next two were just going to get absolute bl- oklahoma was going to get blasted and it turned out to be mm-hmm. uh not the case and that's a credit to coach peter arvanitas and his crew they they sure. played their tails off they did great mm-hmm and I think that without maybe like a mistake in the third period, like only just like a minute in, it was just like a, like a, a, maybe the puck got stuck or something. And then uh, I think it was the the big player for Mina. He's like six eight giant. Yeah, sixty four. He's yeah. yeah. He scored, and then that was kind of like the OU backbreaker. Like, oh man, we were hanging with them. If we could just nick one, we maybe tie this thing, get it to a shootout. Who knows? Um, and that one just kind of yeah, that one just kind of put the nail in the coffin, but. Yeah. UCO had three games on Friday. They played uh, Oregon and uh, beat the Ducks by a score of four to one. They took on uh, in the in the showcase event or the the showcase game of the showcase. Um, number one Minot and they uh, lost to Minot on Saturday night by a score of four to one. And then uh, they beat Midland by a score of four to nothing on the Saturday affair that ended up. Uh, you know that was the end of the showcase. So UCO goes. Uh, two wins and one loss on the uh, on mm-hmm. the showcase. Not a bad showing. What do you what did you find out there from UCO? Uh, I think 
again, my big takeaway out of the weekend is just UCO knows now what the level is, right? They played probably not – they would admit they're not, not their best games when they travel to Minot. Tough place to play, obviously, in Minot. Long, long road trip. Um, but – I mean, UCL played with them. It, let's not pretend like it was a you know a blowout or whatever. The nope. shots were a one shot difference. UCL again. I talked about like the Arizona power play about how they couldn't convert about UNLV. UCL had eight chances on the power play and didn't get any goals yes. from yeah. those eight power plays. And when you play a team that's number one, like you got to take advantage of that. So that was probably the difference maker, just not being able to convert on the power play with the number of chances that they got. Um, and then I think against Oregon, they played a really solid game. That that one probably, looking back, probably UCL probably should have won probably eight or nine nothing. Maybe let the Ducks off the hook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Midland game, you know, the third and three, you're not necessarily your best. And then I I just think UCO they played well, but not maybe to their like full 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 potential. Yeah, but yeah. you get two out of three. Um, you obviously play the number one team. Tough matchup, but I think again, UCO is going to be in the conversation at the end. They're a team that nobody wants to play. <laughs> I think like if they're a team that gets maybe not one of those top four places, none of those top four teams want to play UCO. No, there's yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Everybody knows what they're going to get with UCO, right? They're going to get a talented mm-hmm. team, a fast team, a team yeah. that that it can be prone to penalties if they can clean up. I think the penalty. Yeah. Um, situation and quit giving away power plays, they'll be better off. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, nobody wants to play UCO because that, that, no. they're, they're, they're in for a fist fight. Yeah. yeah. And I think if they are one of those teams, you know, maybe like the five to eight team somewhere in there, yeah. that's a that's a matchup that a number one to four team just doesn't want. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're probably right. So. Well, that's, that's what happened last year at Nationals, right? Number two, yeah, Iowa exactly. State didn't want that. So yeah. Uh, Exactly. Wild. Well, I thought it was a, a great event. Hey, the other games that we had, Minot State beat Illinois State by a score of 5-1. to one. Oregon ended up beating Midland in a shootout by a score of 4-3. to three. That was a wild game. Six that goals in the game. first 10 minutes of the game and then nothing <laughs> the rest of the way. Yeah, that's what James and I had said on the broadcast. We were like, oh, man, we're in for a burn burner. This is going to be such a great game. This thing could be 9-8. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then it occur- announcers curse, and then no one else scored the rest of the game. And then uh, Oregon and Illinois State played again. Uh, they played on Sunday uh, to end their time at the showcase, and Illinois State came away with uh, the win there by a score of 2-1. to one. Uh, Overall, Curtis, I mean, what was your impression of, not, not necessarily of the games, but of, of the teams? that appeared there at the battle at the edge. Uh, I I thought Oregon considering they're new to the men's division 1 like this is their first season. I thought they had a lot of talented players to be honest. Yep. And I think that just because of their proximity and again I'm a Canadian so I'm biased but just their proximity to Canada, I think that they if they do it right and they we've talked about it right you got to recruit well like a lot of winning comes down to like how well you can recruit recruit look at like Georgia and college football like they just get all the best players and they're gonna win (laughs) if you can do a good job at recruiting and if Oregon can get it right with getting some of those Canadian players I think Oregon could be really really good in a couple years yeah yeah their their problem you're right recruiting is going to be to their advantage just because of the proximity to the great white north their problem is going to be getting games uh, yeah, because exactly. of their proximity. So far up there. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I was talking with Craig Thornton, who was uh, their Oregon's general manager. He flew into town uh, for the event, sure. and um, 
uh, he, I asked him through, through our little talks. I don't think I'm t- telling any secrets or anything. I asked him about his, his game schedule for next year. And just cause I'm yep. an evil kind of guy, kind of wanted to know in a mean <laughs> kind of way. He told me he only had 15 games on his schedule so far. Yeah, exactly. And right. I'm thinking, well, wait a second, you know, before Halloween hits, all of our teams have 20 in their pocket. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. UCO is at twenty six already. Yeah, and and you know they're they're looking at uh, looking at a lot more. So it's uh, yeah. You know, most teams already have their schedule done by by the time Christmas rolls around, and here we are in the middle of January, right. Martin Luther King weekend, and they've only got fifteen yeah. on the schedule for next year. So they're right. recruiting will they, they kind of have the opposite that San Diego State has. Recruiting right. will be well exactly. for them, but location sucks. Location is great for San Diego State, but right now recruiting is uh, is the big issue, getting yeah. kids to come there. Exactly, and that's what it's all about. And again, the thing that could be the drawback is just like we talked about it, right? Like we're not scholarship players. So trying to get players like from Canada where, the, especially right now, the exchange rate isn't great. <laughs> I know because I have to send my loan money back, so it's great going the other way. <laughs> <laughs> but coming down to have to like, you know, play and pay out-of-state tuition at a big school like Oregon, you know, you have to size that up. As, and as a Canadian kid coming down, it's a, it's a, quite a financial commitment. I know that I had help from my parents, and obviously, like, I could take loan money out, but it, it is hard because, again, we're not scholarship people. We're playing hockey because we want to keep playing hockey, and this is the league that gives us that opportunity to keep playing, but that will be a challenge. You're right, 100%. Yep, yep. Well, I thought, hey, all in all, I thought it was well. I thought Oregon uh, showed well for a first-year team. I thought Illinois yeah. State kind of put their st- – uh, they, they announced themselves, put themselves on the map yeah. as a real player in the uh, men's Division One. Uh, Oklahoma, obviously, is looking to right the ship and get back to respectability, and I thought this was a, a good week to show that off to some right. teams that are outside the WCHL. You know, Midland is trying to still find their way, a small school and um, yeah. with, with a brand-new coach, but uh, they played hard. And uh, obviously, we had the two big boys, you know, UCO and Minot, that are just out there, uh, you know, bigfooting everybody. And uh, what, a, what a great weekend. But it was so much fun, too. Uh, you know, the, putting it together, I know that a lot of probably effort went into, like, behind the scenes that I'm not even aware. I just got told, hey, we're having this many games. You know, you're, we're going to do the broadcast. And I was pumped because, again, I love calling hockey, and it's it's awesome to do it. Um, but I hope we get to do it again. I kind of said that on the broadcast. It was a it was a ton of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of a. It was hard. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like it was noon to pretty much eleven at the rink, but it was great. Yeah. And I hope we do it again because it was awesome. Well, let's let's give some. Uh, qu- uh, well, let's talk two things really quick for the game views. Your general manager for UCO, Jeff Smith, who's who's uh, did a did a wonderful job with his game day operations crew mm-hmm. uh, all three days. He said that for the weekend total, there was over 10,000 views for all nine games. And that's, in, that's including on um, all three games on Friday got over 1,000 viewers each. In fact, the first game, the, well, the first game was what, uh, Minot versus Illinois State. 2,000 yeah, right. people tuned in. Um, over 2,000 people tuned in for that first game. The uh, big, the, the diamond of, of the showcase, UCO versus Minot, had 1,600 folks tuning in, in addition to a packed house. Yeah, so, it was full. <laughs> yeah, it was full. It was full, and it was crazy. I mean, there were, there were celebrities um, galore from UCO Hockey Times gone by, from the city of Oklahoma City. 
uh, staff members. Um, it was there were some uh, dignitaries in the crowd. That's for sure. Yeah, so. it was it, it was fun, um, and I didn't even know that we got that many views. Which is, I mean, that's awesome having that many people tune in to watch and hear my you know terrible calls. Yeah, Man, that's awesome. Well, hey, you, you got got more than uh, you got more than fourteen listeners, like uh, like we do here on this uh, craptastic podcast, right? There so, you go. Hey, so let's give a, a real quick shout out to to the folks that made this happen. I mentioned Jeff Smith from UCO, um, Tabitha. I don't know her last name. I just know her as Tabitha. She's awesome. She's in the box handling the score sure. sheets. Um, she did for for them to do what they did for nine games was just great. Uh, Daryl Rowley, who runs Arctic Edge Ice Arena, he and his crew were very accommodating and helpful in terms of allowing this to go on. Chuck Shamel, who is the head uh, official and the guy who assigns all the referees, um, Chuck was uh, was wonderful to help us out to make this thing go. But the real uh, 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 the star of the show, other than Curtis and James, um, I thought was uh, the UCO head coach Michael <laughs> Rivera. And that was because this was his brainchild. This was his idea. He's the one who thought outside the box and uh, really made it happen. And so kudos to uh, to Daryl and to Jeff and Tabitha and to Chuck and to James and to Curtis, but also most importantly to Michael. And, you know, we, you, you've talked about it before. We talked about it before we even hit, started hitting record. There's a support crew on the outside. You know, it's not just Michael, it's Michael and his wife. It's not just Curtis, it's Curtis and his wife. You know, there are there are support folks that allow you to be at the rink from noon to 11 at night. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. 100%. So, uh, anyways, hey, thanks to everybody for putting on a great event. I, too, would like to see if we could make something happen. I know that next yeah. year um, UCO is scheduled to go to a uh, the Chicago Showcase. It happened last year. It's not going this year. And um, Coach Rivera and I, again, not speaking out of school, I told him, I said, if you want to, identify a weekend um, when you're having yeah. a heavy hitter to come into town, and uh, maybe I can find another you know, a team or two that can uh, swing in, and we can put something like this on again. So Yeah, I mean, again, it's awesome when – and it gets yet like again we talked about like the UCO and Minot was kind of maybe the showcase event, but because we're those two teams are there, other teams are like, man, like yeah, I'll go get a game against the number one team in the country. That'll help them. That'll help the rankings. Like, uh, well, hey, I'll go. yeah, look, look what Oklahoma did. I mean, they lost two exactly. of the three games, yeah. but they moved up five spots. Exactly. Yeah. So it worked 100%. out. All right, hey, let's uh, here. Let me hit the few buttons here, play some stupid stuff, and then we'll come back, talk standings, get Curtis's predictions, and then we'll talk about uh, some other things. Sound like a plan? That sounds good. Here we go. One, drop your glove. Two, catch jersey. Three, over the head. And where I'm from, we call this the Inglewood Jack. What I say? That's the way. Inglewood Jack. Uh, but hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. All right, Chance, let's do that hockey. The only conference games that we had this past week were those uh, UNLV at Arizona games. And uh, so uh, the WCHL standings are pretty much unchanged from how they were before the, uh, before the holiday break. Central Oklahoma is still in first place. Nevada Las Vegas is right on their tail in second place. 
Um, they've won all of their games. They've just, uh, they just haven't played as many as Central Oklahoma just yet. After that is Utah in third, Arizona State in fourth, Arizona and Colorado are tied for fifth, Missouri State's in seventh place, Grand Canyon and Colorado State are tied for eighth, Oklahoma is uh, taking up the last spot in the WCHL. But we're going to get a lot of uh, conference games coming up this week. Um, because everybody in the WCHL is playing hockey except for Curtis's UCO Broncos. They win the week. They're going to be in study hall. They're going to relax, take a weekend off from the battle at the edge, and they're going to focus on their studies. Isn't that correct, Curtis? 100%. 100%. Good, good mm-hmm. for them. They'll be. What's the name of the library there on the campus there at UCO? Oh, man. really? You think I really went to the library? <laughs> oh, really? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I used to go there when I was in high school. That's how old that thing is. You um, know, Chris, I used to go to the library just a little bit. I, wasn't, I wouldn't say an <laughs> avid, avid studier, but I had decent grades. All right. Oh, all right. Man, Didn't mean to put remember. you on the spot there. I just thought <laughs> library was, a, uh, was, a, was you know, oh, one of the hot, the hot spots to go to. But Old North, maybe they're just hanging out at Old North in a study hall there at Old North somewhere. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what it's, it's been so long. That makes me. Yeah, that's aging me a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was the trick question. Five years. Yeah. Trick was, question, Curtis. Oh. I apologize. I'll take the L that's on that okay. one. That's my fault. That's okay. That's I shouldn't bad. have thrown you a curveball. You shouldn't have talked about studies, Chris. I thought we were here to talk about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, speaking of hockey, San Diego State. The poor Aztecs, they go on the road to start the, uh, the they, they're going to kick off Colorado's spring semester. Colorado didn't hasn't played the past two weekends, and it's kind of funny. They were supposed to play Iowa State uh, over here, over the Martin Luther King weekend, but because Iowa State folded their program, whatever you want to say, mm, however you want to say it, sure. they didn't play. Yeah. Colorado didn't fill that weekend, so... They had an extra weekend off, so There's San Diego. Weekend off. Yeah, San Diego State's going to Boulder. How do you think that's going to turn out? Oh, probably not good for San Diego State. Um, it could be eight-one, maybe. Utah did. Utah did a pretty good job on them, and they're pretty close to being about the same caliber teams. Yeah. So it could be pretty bad for San Diego State. Unfortunately, who knows. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm seeing this as a, as a CU sweep myself. I think Colorado's yes. – I know that everybody's adding a player or two at the semester. Colorado mm-hmm. is adding a player who's been with him uh, for the past couple of years. He's a grad student who's coming back. So uh, I think San Diego nice. State is in for some hurt. And Colorado's got all the buzz, right, with, you know – Neon Deion Sanders there. They could be they could be a buzz school now all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the truth. That's there the truth. Go. Wouldn't that be funny if they could get Neon Dion to to uh prime time himself to show up there at the Boulder go. Rec Center? Wouldn't that be sick? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be wild. Well hey, when 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 you played at the Boulder Rec Center, what was the wildest thing that you ever saw there? Oh man, it was just like there was nowhere to warm up. So we had to go where did we the one year we ended up on like the top floor, middle of winter, and the, the, the top of their building, their rec center, is tennis courts. Yeah. We warmed up on the tennis courts, the top floor in the middle of winter. There's nowhere <laughs> else to warm up. Yeah. That's probably the wildest it, story. It's a gor- it's a gorgeous place. And, it is. But man, they filled every nook and cranny with all sorts of uh 
uh, workout yep. equipment, treadmills, rock walls, uh, basketball courts, squash courts. I mean, I mean, it's huge and it's crazy. They got the rink on campus. So it's always, it's always tough to get the bus there too. Yeah. <laughs> Seems yep. like it takes forever. We have to go up a hill and then park in this random spot. But yeah, warming up on the tennis courts, middle of winter. Cause I think we were there in probably this time of year, like January. <laughs> I, I was there for, for a game and I forget what game it was. It was probably like Arizona or something. Um, and there was a world-class table tennis match going on right outside of the hockey rink and it probably had more people watching that table tennis match between these two asian dudes that were just going at it than were watching the hockey game it was just sick it was crazy and on the first floor like where kind of like where you turn around the corner and it's like right there on the ground yeah yeah i mean it's 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 right it was literally right outside the uh uh, right outside the room where the where the vending machines are, or where you go pick up your skates if you're going to rent skates oh, yeah. to go onto the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and crazy. They have the squash courts right there too on the floor. That's correct. Yep. And one yeah. of the guys in the crowd watching was the host of the Amazing Race, uh, Phil no Keegan or whatever his name is. Um, yeah. I'm, so I'm standing there rubbing shoulders with him, watching these guys go at it, uh, table tennis wise during an intermission of like an Arizona Colorado hockey game. It was just crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> Hey, uh, okay, so so there's one non-conference matchup. Maryville and Missouri State play again, but this time it's down in Springfield at the Jordan Valley Ice Center. Missouri State's looking for a little bit of redemption. What do you think? Can they pull it off? I think they may steal one. Again, I say it a lot, and Missouri State's a tough place to play. It hasn't been this year. They haven't been as good as I think they would have hoped this season. But I think they'll maybe steal one just because they just kind of got their lunch handed to them this weekend. Okay. So maybe they maybe they bounce back and maybe get one at maybe on the Friday night game, come up with a little extra energy. There's always lots of people there Friday night. Makes we'll a lot of them. sense. I could be totally wrong. I don't know. The big non-conference matchup is going to be um, kind of a, a, a little good versus evil, a little heaven versus hell, if you will. It's uh, UNLV is going on the road. They're the number four team in the nation. They're going to go to number five, Liberty. So, uh, uh, and it's, it was a great series, uh, last year, um, heck they played what three or four times. I thought, um, I think they did. Yeah. I, I know they played in Chicago and they played, they split in Liberty. And then I know earlier this year, Liberty went to Vegas and played and, um, so yeah, so UNLV is going to Liberty this weekend, number four versus number mm-hmm. five at the LaHaye ice center. What do you think? Well, if I recall correctly, and it has been a little bit, I believe Liberty went to UNLV and they won both games, correct? They did. Yeah, so I could see, man, I think Liberty's a really good team, but I could see maybe UNLV if, if again, if they play better than they did against Arizona, because I don't think they played their best hockey against Arizona this past weekend. If they play to their potential, I think UNLV can probably get one. Maybe they get a split on the road, but I do see Liberty winning at least one. Okay. That that arena that Liberty has is an absolute – I mean, it's like top of the ACHA. Let's just call it what it is. It's it's and pretty they, sweet. They they pack it, and it is a that is a home crowd. So it is a tough place to go win. So it'll be tough, but I think UNLV can maybe get one on the road. Okay, calling for a split. And then, yep. uh, then we have three WCHL matchups. Um, first is uh, Colorado State coming to Arctic Edge to take on the Oklahoma Sooners. 
Um, Colorado State, number 28, I think they are. Yeah, 28, taking on 38 now, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Rams and Sooners. Pretty close. Um, man, OU showed a lot this weekend, and I was impressed with them. I say it like – and, you know, I, I'll be the first to say I'm not the biggest OU fan. I had to play against them a lot. So <laughs> there's a little bit of rivalry there. So it's hard for me to talk in glowing terms about the University of Oklahoma, but I have to. I think they played good this weekend, and I think uh, we kind of talked about on the broadcast where – their coach wants to come in and he wants to like reset it. Right. He wants to sort of bring it back to where they were and where they should be. And I think they'll, I think they're going to get one from Colorado state this weekend. Right. I know that it doesn't maybe look like it on paper. I think, Oh, you'll get one. They split up in, uh, up in Fort Collins. Yeah. So that would make sense. They would split I here. That. I could do that. Yeah. Arizona state travels across uh, the Phoenix Metroplex to go take on grand Canyon at the uh, converted Walmart. So, uh, what do you think? ASU is what eighteen, and GCU is thirty. But boy, these two teams—they um, seem to have. Well, how about this? GCU seems to have U of A's number. ASU mm-hmm. seems to have GCU's number, and uh, U of A sometimes seems to have ASU's number. So it seems like it's yeah, all it's just a, a circle. It, it is a circle, but I'll probably say ASU probably win both of those. I don't think gcu will get anything out of them but they, they could steal one too it okay. could very well be so and then the uh, last uh, conference matchup that we're going to have is arizona fresh off of uh, the two losses to unlv they get on the road and they go up to the olympic size sheet in salt lake city to take on the skating utes arizona versus utah what do you think there this is probably the toughest one of the whole lot oh man Arizona's power play worries me a little bit. It hasn't been this good that this year. Um, I will. I think Utah may win both of them. Actually, to be honest, okay. I think at home they're just they're they're actually a sneaky good team. So I'm gonna say Utah will win both. Utah's scoring has found its. Uh, they found their rhythm, yeah, haven't they? they? Found their form. Yeah. yeah, they have. Yeah, and with uh, Arizona kind of struggling. Uh, to 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 whether it's in net or to you know on the offensive side of things. Yeah, yeah, it's it could be a bad combination. So okay, so just to recap, you're going to say Curtis says Colorado's going to sweep San Diego State, that they're going to be uh, splits between Liberty and UNLV in the LaHaye Ice Center in Liberty, that Missouri State and Maryville will split at the Jordan Valley Ice Park in Springfield, that Colorado State and Oklahoma will split at the Arctic Edge in Edmond, and that Arizona State will sweep GCU at the uh, GCU's home rink, Arizona Ice Arcadia. And that the skating Utes of Utah will welcome Arizona and sweep the the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, very good, very good, Curtis. This is the point of the uh, incredibly terrible suboptimal podcast where we just kind of it's, it's not open mic, but it's kind of open mic. So anything out there sure. that uh, flips your lid that uh, you, you want to get off your chest? Not necessarily, no. Okay. I, I can't think of anything that's crazy other than I was really enjoying, I have to say, the start of the pod when we were talking about the the men's division one, how it all operates. Yeah. I feel like I had some quick, some follow-up questions, and now and we the, talk so much hockey, and, and my brain has gone mush. And I screwed that up. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. No, well, it's okay. Well, let, well let, let's do this, because I don't mind answering questions, and um, if especially if it's – going to uh if it if it's no no no. i mean you you, you laugh and giggle i i don't mind talking everybody knows that and uh yeah. i you know I, people would think i get paid by the word but i don't um 
But uh, hey, if it can further explain what goes on and provide a little bit more transparency as to what goes on, I'm all for it. You know, without, you know, revealing state secrets or, uh, you know, confidences or anything, if we can do it, let's do it. So, uh, all right. Well, if it'll come back to my brain, because now my brain has gone completely mush and that's what I am, just a mush head. So that's okay. Well, well, it's okay. And we can, I don't think you're a mush head at all, but uh, we can, (laughs) if you remember it, jot it down and we'll we'll, we'll tackle it next time because we've got a couple of more, we've got seven more, six more weeks left in the season. Season, uh, before we uh, get down to nationals well here here i've got some stuff i want to talk about and it's first and foremost All right. All right. um i found a good book and it's a great book somebody recommended oh, a show okay. off of apple tv to me called slow horses and okay. i've i've i have not watched it yet but i found that it was a, a book it was a series written by an author a guy named uh, mick heron uh, and so I've ordered the book. I got it the other day and I'm halfway into it. I'm just devouring it and it's an awesome book and I can't wait to finish the book, but I also then can't wait to start the Apple plus uh, TV series. So slow horses nice. gets a, uh, uh, at least the, the book side of it gets a th- great thumbs up from the fat commish. And, um, then, uh, I was also recommended a movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to just throw it out there. So if anybody's watched it, it's a show on Netflix, uh, starring Aubrey Plaza from parks and recreation. Are you familiar with her? She's, yeah, she's hilarious. She's hilarious. (laughs) And, but it's a, it's a movie called Emily, the criminal. I don't, don't know anything about it other than she supposedly gets hooked up with, uh, or not hooked up. That's the wrong word. Um, she gets involved with a guy who entices her to use some stolen credit cards. And I guess it just goes south from there. Um, but it's supposed to be a really great, it was one of the highly uh, highest ranked movies of 2022. And, uh, so I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my list of stuff to watch. Maybe this weekend after hockey, I'll, and after some football, I'll watch it. So there you go. Hey, and, and last two, time I was on the pod, Chris, we talked about we talked about our FIFA predictions for the World Cup. Yeah, how'd that turn we out? Complete, we completely missed on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think mine were out like uh, by by the end of the group stage. <laughs> well, we talked about I think it was uh, who did we have winning it? It was like Brazil. I think we both had Brazil, France, maybe in the final. <laughs> if I right. Yes, in Brazil they laid an egg. Oh, oh my man. gosh. Oh, poor Brazil. Oh, poor us oh, for pick, for picking yeah. Brazil. Golly, why did we pick Brazil? I, would yeah. say that I think Argentina, I said oh. Argentina, and then just, of course, flip-flopped. You know, th- that that was, it, it stunk that it was not over the summer, but it was great that it was yeah. during this little portion. I, I love the World cool, Cup. Actually, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it was good to go to to wake up at four in the morning to watch all the group stage games live from yeah, Qatar, and yeah. then uh, yeah, to, you know, my boss she's kind of mean, um, and she makes me work a lot, and so uh, I couldn't watch as much of the uh, of the football as I wanted to. But uh, wow, what a what did a great watch, event! You watched the final though, right? Oh heck yeah, I did. I, I watched oh, I watched every game. single second of it. Yeah, what a that's probably the. What a game I've ever watched. Could not believe that they both scored in extra time. When when yeah. when Messi scored the goal in extra time, I thought, oh, we're done. This is over with. Yep. And then what? Two, three minutes later, here comes Mbappe again. Uh, that guy's a phenomenon. Yeah. He's so good. Oh, I mean, and you got to feel for the guys. Uh, got to feel for for the, the goalkeeper for France, Hugo Lloris, and you got to feel for the guys who missed for France. Yeah. 
But uh, and how about how about that joker of a of an Argentinian goalie, especially when he won his award and he gets the yeah, gets the so golden funny. glove and oh, yikes. He's a joker, but and then that save that he made that right at the end, and France could have won it with like the toe, yeah, like the hundred nineteenth minute or something like that. Just insane! What a soccer game! Oh, <laughs> it's unbelievable! Well, I mean, yeah, one of the one of the best finals ever. You know, uh, I realize realize there's some recency bias there, but what an incredible game! I mean, that's how a final should be, yeah. right? It gets you swinging awesome. both ways, and you're like, yeah. oh my god, I can't believe this. And I had no, like, skin in the game, right? I wasn't, like, cheering for anybody, but I just, like, kept standing up. And <laughs> my wife was sitting on the couch like, what is going on? I'm like, I had this soccer game. It's just out of control. <laughs> You're like, it's sports. It's Come sports on. ball. Don't you yep. understand? It's sports. Crazy. It was just a crazy soccer game. Jeez. Well, hey, let's, uh, let me, let me, uh, it's, it's just sports. And I'm just, I don't want to be a downer or anything, but I want to bring up two things. Sure. Um McKendry University is not playing this weekend at the University of Alabama. McKendry plays in my B conference. Um, they went to University of Illinois and lost two games. And on Sunday, four of their players on their team were uh, um, were severely injured in an automobile accident. And two of them are presently in the ICU. Um, three of them, it happened on a, um, it was a single car accident and happened on a rural country road. Three of them had to be airlifted to the hospital in St. Louis. So they're in a couple of them are in really bad shape. So just, um, you know, we're, we're talking, we're having fun. We're talking about the WCHL. We're talking about sports. We're talking about amazing games. We also, I bring it up only because, you know, this is real life and it's just a game. And we're, we're having fun talking about guys getting out and doing dumb things with trophies and and whatever, or just being amazing players and scoring shootout goals or stopping things. Um, But at the end of the day, we want everybody to be safe. We want everybody to, you know, be able to go to class, go get their degree and live life so they can broadcast games or be on a, have a terrible podcast or, you know, go make a gajillion dollars. And, um, you know, there, so, but there are four boys who are hurting, two of them, especially are in the ICU and just, um, I would ask, I'm not going to say send thoughts and prayers. I would just say, keep, keep the folks at McKendree. It's a, it's a very small school. It's a very tight knit hockey team, hockey as it is, as a very small community. And, um, uh, just, you know, send some good vibes, some good juju, whatever it is that you can do, um, you know, for those guys, um, as, as little as it may be, there's, there's some positivity in, in out there. Just send it your, their way because they need it. So, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah that's, n- that's not fun. That was not, that's not no, fun at all. No, it's never fun. I, um, I mean, that's just, yeah, it, it it makes you put life into perspective. There's a lot more out there than just hockey. There, you know, those are somebody's sons, um, you know, somebody's grandkid. So yeah, thoughts going to those those boys in McKendry. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was the as a you're, you're there now, Curtis. I'm I'm there. My both of my kids are a little older and live far away. Um, one of the things that really struck me, one of these boys who's really hurt and, um, I mean, his parents are in Moose Jaw and mm. they're, you know, they get a phone call and, you know, 
Moose Jaw is not exactly uh, an international uh, flying lo- airport location. No. So, um, uh, but yeah, they're, they were doing their damnedest to get to St. Louis as quickly as they possibly could. And uh, I just can't imagine uh, getting that phone call. So anyways, um, don't want to be too much of a downer. Um, McKendry, just send, send some positivity their way if you can. And uh, the, 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 the last thing I want to bring up is, I should have brought it up last week, but the, the guy who was a integral part of the University of Arizona hockey program, his name is Leo Golombieski. Um, he passed away at the age, oh, geez, I, I want to say he was like 73. Um, I forget, but he passed away last week. He's known or, or some, a lot of reports have said that he started the Arizona uh, hockey program. That's not exactly accurate, he, but he's, he, he was uh, integral in starting what's now known as the Arizona, the modern version of it, the Ice Cats, before they then, for the university, took him over and um, uh, they became the Wildcats. Leo was a, uh, geez, he, he started coaching there at Arizona in 1979. He ended up with 634 wins, a 72-win percentage. Um, so he won a lot of hockey games. He, I'll tell you, I've, I dealt with him. Um, Leo was, a, was an absolute pain in the ass. Um, and he can be a true, just, I mean, a very unpleasant individual. Um, but he could also just be a very kind, the pendulum swung with him, um, uh, far and wide. He was a competitor. He desperately wanted to win. He was proud of Arizona. He was proud of Tucson and, um, he would, he wanted to do anything he possibly could um, by hook or by crook to, uh, to get Arizona to, um, to nationals. And, um, that's where the pain in the ass part comes in. Cause he, you know, sometimes, you know, he, he didn't like when rule, everybody likes rules until they're applied to them. And, uh, Leo was kind of that way. He didn't like it when his guys got DQ'd and, you know, he started claiming a whole bunch of, you know, shenanigans and whatnot. And he didn't like it when his team didn't make it into the national tournament and started claiming shenanigans. It's, he was zealously advocating for his team and, um, I, and I get it. Um, you know, and he, he was a very polarizing figure. Um, there's no doubt about it. He, uh, but there's also, you cannot, I cannot deny the fact that the University of Arizona hockey probably would not exist without Leo Golombieski. So he passed away recently and, um, it was good to see that, um, they played a, uh, uh, they had they they did a little uh, tribute to Leo before the uh, before the games are at the Tucson Convention Center and um, you know it's uh, anyways just want to acknowledge his his passing and uh, the the contributions that he that he brought to the uh, to the ACHA. he was one of the founding members of the ACHA heck I think he was one of the past presidents of the ACHA back in the nineties when it started it up so he was one of the OGs the originals and. Uh, wow. He wrote a book. In fact, I'm looking at it. I have two copies of it. He wrote a book called Ice Hockey in the Desert. What was I thinking? Um, and it's it's the legacy of Leo Golombieski and the Ice Cats. And I got to tell you, Curtis, it's 152 pages long. Uh, 151 and a half are an ode to Leo himself that he wrote himself. Um, the other half page maybe has to do with the Arizona um, you know, hockey program. 
uh, it has an introduction by Don Rickles and a foreword by Bobby Hull. Um, Leo's thing was, you know, there's some, there's some funny things that Leo liked to do. I, I used to, back when I got started in the ACHA, I love tuning into, um, Arizona Wildcat or Arizona Icecat broadcast because the guys that were broadcasting talked about everything but the hockey game. And it was a guy named John DeDante and, uh, some, I forget who his sidekick was, uh, but they would just be talking about, um, you know, the weather or, you know, the sand blowing in their ears or something. And, oh, there's a goal. And then they would keep talking about, you know, the weather or, you know, tires on their car. or They, they would just, they did not, they just had a conversation and they didn't let the game get in the way of their, their two and a half hour conversation. And, uh, the, but the best part of every game was at the end of the game when one of these guys would go down on the ice win or lose, and they would have an interview with the head coach, Leo Golombieski, Coach G, and they would ask one question, and dang if it wasn't 20 minutes later before the, he was through answering. I mean, the guy just went on forever. Who knows? Maybe that's where I get it from. Um, but uh, I, was, I always enjoyed tuning into those broadcasts, not for the game itself, but to listen to the post-game. Uh, he would rant. I, I remember at one point, I was there. I was stunned. We had just beat him. I was carrying the sticks off of the bench to go to our locker room. And um, he called our team a bunch of gorillas. And uh, and, and he, he accused us of uh, bringing in a bunch of ringers, uh, guys that shouldn't be playing in the ACHA. And then he said, you know, I don't really care about winning or losing. I care about you know, uh, my guys graduating and being good guys. And I thought to myself, self, I'm going to file that one away because I don't know if I ever want to, if I'm going up to recruit against Arizona, I'm going to bring that up because he doesn't care about winning or losing. Um, and, uh, I, I use that once or twice and, um, huh. So, anyways, uh, Leo Golombieski was a character. He was a. Uh, he, he, do you do you remember? I forget what the movie was. Um, during the pregame introductions, um, the uh, the Ice Cats they would um, the non-starters would line up and they would form a like a tunnel and they would hold their hockey sticks up to form literally a tunnel and that's what the five six starters would uh would skate through and i just thought that was the cheesiest damn thing in the world but uh they that that's what leo liked to do and um they called the place the 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 madhouse on on main street in tucson and uh there was a lot of ted nugent cat scratch fever and uh they did a they did a good job so it was kind of wild all righty there Curtis, we got you back, huh? I don't know what huh? happened, Chris. That's, I don't know what happened there. That, that was the ghost of Leo. He was getting on me for calling him a pain in the ass. He he disconnected us. So, uh, anyways, a good. So so much respect to Leo and, and to his family and um, into the Tucson hockey community. It's uh, it's uh, it's a it's a it's a bad loss, but um, you know it's um, uh, it's it's. Hockey's a small community, and he his his impact on the Arizona hockey community is undeniable. And there there wouldn't be NCAA hockey out there now with ASU. There probably wouldn't be. Who knows if there would even be NHL hockey out there? 
So uh, he had a huge impact on bringing hockey to the desert. What was he thinking? Yeah, that's a that's a big that's a big hole to fill. And like you were saying, he is like a founding member. I went and like looked up looked him up. I didn't even again. I don't know the ACA as well as you do. You know everything. Um, but yeah, like a founding member, he's listed on the ACHA's page of charter members. Like he is, uh, he's somebody that's been around a long time and without him and who knows where the ACA should, ACHA would be, if it would be a thing, if it would be in the desert, probably not. And especially with those two schools. So a well, big loss and a yeah. big hole to fill out we, in Arizona. We, we wouldn't have the conference. We wouldn't have the WCHL had yeah. it not been for, uh, for, for him. There's, there's no doubt because U of A and ASU were both uh, charter members of, of the conference yeah. way back when. So exactly. anyways, I don't, don't want to go on, don't want to be too mushy or anything, uh, but I just want to show some respect to, uh, to, to coach yeah. G and, the, uh, I wish he would have given me an Arizona puck like he promised me when I first met him, but I said I had to go buy the damn thing the next time I was in Tucson. So he got he got five bucks out of me. Condolences to his family, of yeah. course, obviously going through a tough time. And our thoughts are with his, his wife and, you know, his children and his family. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, what a, what a deal. His, he would always have team captains. His team captains were the best. Um, and they were honorary team captains. One, like I said, one year his, his, the forward was Bob uh, Don Rickles and Bobby Hull. He would, if there was a celebrity in Tucson, he would get. He had Sergeant Slaughter one year. He had Vince McMahon one year. Um, I, geez, who else was? Uh, I mean, they, he he was he was a hustler. I mean, I think somewhere in my in in a in a big bin somewhere, I have some uh, Arizona Ice Cat trading cards that. Um, no from his teams yeah and the hey the best thing curtis was there were probably 30 cards and i think 10 of them were all about leo so the That's other so 20 cool. the other 20 guys were uh were just the players <laughs> so what a That's deal so cool yeah what a what a weird deal anyways hey let's uh let, let's get out of here go there's going to be some good hockey playing around the place um again uco is going to be at the library that nobody knows the name of but everybody else will be playing hockey at the rink so there's plenty of hockey to watch online uh, pay attention to the Western Collegiate Hockey League on Twitter at Western CHL. Again, the bozo that runs that account also helps out with the ACHA Men's D1 Twitter account, and he's kind of a crusty SOB, so uh, watch out. Some scores will get reported there, too. And, um, yeah, just have a – this podcast is at WCHL Pod on Twitter. If you remember, Curtis, um, Curtis, what your Twitter handle is what, KJohnny9? K Johnny zero nine. Got to add the zero in there. K Johnny zero nine. I had to zero the zero. <laughs> there you go. Add the zero. And then uh, my my Twitter is CJP and OKLA. You won't find anything on there. Just complaining about you know not being able to get Taylor Swift tickets or something stupid like that. But uh, right, right, right. Anyways, uh, we appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate um, all sixteen listeners. In fact, I I got I got a surprise while I was at the edge, Curtis. One of the Oklahoma players comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder, and he says, Mr. Perry, I really enjoy listening to the podcast. And I'm like, oh, oh I'm so sorry, pal. I, I am so sorry. <laughs> Alex Frabule, um, uh, who wasn't playing in, nice. the, in the game, uh, he said he enjoyed the podcast, and uh, I hope he was being sincere. He might have just been pulling my leg, 
But uh, listener yeah, number listener number sixteen sucking up to the commissioner. Who knows? Right, trying to grease the wheels a little bit. Yeah, maybe trying to get an extra slice of pizza out of the out of the dumb commission. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but uh, Alex, we if you're listening, we appreciate uh, you listening. We appreciate everybody else listening. Curtis, it's great to have a really hockey guy on the on the podcast every now and then. We need to have you on more often. Hey, you know, I'm always available every th- – hey, I think this is the right time, though, Chris. I think you nailed it in the open. Yeah. Wednesday night, rankings come out. Hopefully it was a good show. Hopefully everybody listening in, as, as you say, hopefully there was more than 14. Hopefully we'll get a couple more this week. Um, but, no, I love coming on. It's it's good talking hockey with you. It's the best sport. There is no doubt about it. Um, and I'm looking, to, looking forward to see how those predictions pan out. Probably not very good. Um, but yeah, it's great. Very good. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for coming on. Bring you bring a touch of class. I mean, last week, last week we had Ryan Armstrong. This week we have Curtis Johnson. Holy smokes, we're going to have to quit calling ourselves suboptimal and craptastic. We're actually having hockey guys on. See, there you go. We need to shape up. We need to get back to some burp and fart jokes or something on here. Come on. So, all right. Hey, listen, everybody, stay safe. Take care of one another. Keep uh, the McKendry boys in your positive thoughts and send them some good juju. And uh, in the meantime, get out there and go to the rink or watch the rink and uh, enjoy the hockey. Stay safe. <laughs>